I have what it says I have. Say, I choose to do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit. Say, from this moment forward, I'm never going to be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give somebody a high five. Tell them I mean it. Amen. Aren't you glad God's on your side? Aren't you glad God's on your side? Amen. God's got a plan for your life. Said God's got a plan for your life. He's going to prosper you, not harm you. God's going to give you hope, and God's going to give you a future. Some some of us are just so stuck in our past. You know, we've made some stupid decisions and weird choices and performed actions that are out of character. And and you know, and we've got to deal with those things. But the reality is, is that you can't be looking back. You gotta be looking forward. God's out in front. He's calling you into the future He has for your life. God wants to bless your life. And you, you can't go back and create a new beginning, but you can declare a brand new end starting today. Okay? And, and you can, you can declare that new end and you can get on with God and you can press into the life that God has for you. I've gotta tell you today, you just gotta wrap your heart and mind around the reality that God wants you to live a blessed life. Okay? He needs you to live a blessed life. Why? Because the, the, the purpose and the plan that he has for you demands that you become blessed, that you live in the blessing of the Lord. First thing, think about it. God takes Adam and Eve and he puts them in the garden and he blessed them. He, he just started, why? Well, because to do what yeah, I'm going to expect you to do, you're going to have to be blessed. Hello? The Bible says that God sent his son Jesus and he died and was raised from the dead that he might bless you. Read the last chapter of the book of Luke and you find out the last thing Jesus did before he jetted off this earth was he blessed them. God wants to bless your life. Uh, it's so crazy that, you know, we, we have these mindsets. Well, you know, uh, you know, I'm not trying to get rich. And, uh, you know, that's fear of prosperity or something. I don't know what it is. You know, uh, you know, I just don't think that we should be, you know, trying to get all of this stuff. It's not about that. The, the word rich means abundantly supplied. That you're in a position to respond to any situation in a godlike fashion. It's not just financially. How about some emotional, you know, riches? So that in any situation you can respond in a godlike fashion. Right? That you, you're abundantly supplied. When someone hurts you, there's enough forgiveness in you to go out to others and you can release it. Why? Because you are abundantly supplied. But you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta live this blessed life. You gotta realize that what others say and do and uh, circumstances and situations, that they're not impacting God's plan for your life. They're not big enough. Why? Because God's bigger. You know, David learned it. You know, you know, he's got Saul trying to pin him to the wall with a spear, but he, you know, he knows God's bigger than, than the king. You know, Joseph learned it. You know, it didn't make any difference that he was sold into slavery and betrayed by his brothers and placed in a pit. He knew that God was bigger. You got to remember that your God's bigger than anything that's coming against you. And if God, if God wants to put his blessing on your life, that you've got to get in agreement with God and receive the blessing, believe the blessing, speak the blessing, respond like you're blessed. You got to live the life God's called you to live. Why? Because it's God life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have and enjoy God life. Life in abundance to the full till it overflows. We're talking about more life than death, more joy than sorrow, more peace than chaos, more hope than despair, more health than sickness, more provision than lack. So many times we, we end up accepting 
the wrong life and then trying to find some way to justify it. Well, you know, the economy. God's bigger than the economy. Well, you're just lucky. You're right. I'm lucky. You know, religious mindsets are going to get really upset right now. You can't say the word luck. It's not a good word. Luck, 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 luck. <laughs> luck, luck. Well, why? Well, because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit, neither can he. So they just think it's luck. Okay, let me teach you how to live lucky. Live a blessed life. Okay? If, if, you, if, if you get the blessing of the Lord on your life, you'll live the luckiest life you've ever had. I think that's what the Bible says. We should read it. Proverbs 10:22. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. It gives abundant supply. The blessing of the Lord. So there's a couple of things you got to you just have to deal with right now. Number one, there must be a blessing of the Lord because it's talking about the blessing of the Lord. So if there's a blessing, I want it. Right? You, you, you need to embrace it. In, in order to engage in something new, new, you have to be willing to disengage from something old. So to engage in God life, you have to disengage from carnal life. Well, you know, we're all the children of God. No, no we're not. For as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a son of God. You girls are going, I don't want to be a son. Look, if I have to be the bride of Christ, you can be a son. Uh, you, you want to be a son. You want to be, you want to, you, see, it's not about gender. In Christ, there's neither male nor female. Here's the deal. Is that in relationship to God, and think about biblical terminology. The son had right to the inheritance. So if the enemy can convince you girls that you're not a son of God, yes, you are. In this respect, you're a son of God. Why? Because you've been positioned by Christ to be a joint heir. So you have the inheritance and right to it. So, bless God, I'm a son of God. Which means i got to be led by the Spirit. Not everybody's led by the Spirit, so not everybody's a son of God. So you have to just deal with some stuff. If the blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and you're trying to not... Be rich. You know, the enemy's giving you some weird mentality and belief system, and you can justify it because, well, you know, that just sounds materialistic. Get over that. We're not talking about, you know, everybody getting a Rolex and a Rolls Royce. We're talking about everybody living God life so that you have more than enough so that in any situation you can respond in a God-like fashion. If all you have is enough, then you ain't got enough to help people who ain't got enough. If, if all you have is just enough to get by, then you have to protect what you got. Because if you lose anything, you're going under. It doesn't make any difference what goes out of my life. It, because i got to tell you something. God can replace, restore, renew, revive, refresh. He can re-anything he wants. And I am not going to be lower than I was. I'll be better than I was. you got to get your mind renewed to God's way of thinking. Carnality is going to tell you that, well, we probably shouldn't try to be rich. Well, the blessing of the Lord makes you rich. Now you're trying to run from it. 
The only way to get away from it is to separate yourself from the blessing of the Lord. I mean, come on, guys. You've got to read your Bible. You've got to study. Go to Deuteronomy 28 and start reading it. It says, if you obey me, all of these blessings shall come upon thee, and they shall overtake thee. They are going to hunt you down like TJ on a football game looking for the carrier of the ball. The blessing of God coming to tackle you and smear your face into the grass. The blessing of the Lord. Look at somebody say, uh-oh. You know, you, you're going you're gonna to live this life. But you have to renew your mind. You've got to renew your mind. I don't know why some of you look like you're mad at me. I don't want to be rich. Yeah, we've justified poverty in our life. We've accepted lack. And you can't do it. Because what God's called you to do is demanding that you live blessed. And it ain't about you. It's about the purpose that God has for you. And if God didn't have a purpose for you, well, you'd just be one of these greasy spots in the carpet. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be on the planet. You wouldn't be inhaling and exhaling. You wouldn't be sucking up my oxygen. God's got a plan for your life. A purpose for your life. But that purpose is going to demand that you live a blessed life. You're going to be blessed. And if you don't renew your mind to it, you're going to get ripped off by a devil who's defeated. Well, the devil's been messing. Why are you letting him do that? The only authority that he has is the authority that you grant him. The Bible says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the evil one. If Jesus was successful in fulfilling his purpose on earth, then he destroyed the works of the evil one. He, it, those chains are destroyed. They're not broken. They're destroyed. Because that which is broken can be repaired, but that which is destroyed, that's annihilated, rendered powerless. That's eternal. You know, even in John 10, 10, and I don't have enough time to really go there today. But in John 10, 10, you know, it says the thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and enjoy it and, you know, overflowing life. And so we automatically uh, connect the thief to Satan. So we say Satan's a thief. You've got to go study John 10. It's not talking about Satan. It's talking about a hireling. It's talking about a belief system, a mentality. And, uh, you know, and I, I want to point that out because i got to tell you something, that unless, unless you give Satan the title of thief, he can't steal from you. I can't be stolen from. Several years ago, a guy came into my office. I'd been out shopping. It was around Christmas time. And, and you know, I'd been to the mall and bought all the Christmas gifts. And I had them wrapped because they were wrapping for free. So that, and, you know, while well, I'm drinking coffee in the mall. And, and uh, they, they, they wrapped the gifts. So the car's full of wrapped gifts and it's sitting in the parking lot. And somebody broke into the car and they, they borrowed my stuff. And they took off down the street with it. And some guy's banging on my office door. Hey, your car was just broken too. They stole your stuff. You want to go get them? And I'm like, no. Why? Because I can't be stolen from well, he just took your stuff. You don't understand. I, I can't be stolen from. Well, they're chasing him down the street. I don't care. I can't be stolen from. Within an hour, police cars were in the parking lot. They came in with all of my stuff. Is this your stuff? Yes, it is. Okay. Thank you for my stuff. The guy in the back of the car wants to talk to somebody. Well, the guy that stole my stuff is in the back of the car. He got saved before he left the parking lot. So, you know, you know, uh, well, you know, it wasn't a tee shot. Come on, if you're going to clap, clap. You know, this isn't golf. Uh, you know what's crazy? 
You know, it's crazy that scripture that says, I look behind me and I see that you're there and I look out ahead of me and see you out there. You look back and you realize that God knew that the only way to get this guy to church was to have him steal my stuff. So he borrowed my stuff. The cops got him, brought him to church and he got saved. Come on. God's always got a plan. You can't be stolen from, you know, well, that just doesn't make sense. What if somebody takes your stuff? Give it, sow it, make it a seed, call it a seed, because what you call it, what the title you give it determines the authority it has in your life. If you call the devil a thief, he can steal, but he's not a thief in my world. He ain't stealing from me. Well, what if somebody takes your stuff? Uh, I sowed it. Not too long ago, I had an iPhone 4. Stephen was here from college. He had an iPhone 3. He's talking to me. He says, Dad, shouldn't I have an iPhone 4 and you have an iPhone 3? And I'm like, well, why would we do that? And he said, because I could face talk and talk to mom and she could see my face and she'd be happier. And that would be better for you if mom was happy because she could see my face. And, you know, and so Stephen ended up with an iPhone 4. I had an iPhone 3. That day, after we'd been to AT&T and done the switcheroo, that day, Stephen went to the gym with Keith. And pretty soon, my phone rings. I'm getting a call from Keith, which I normally don't answer, but I picked it up and said hello. And now on the other side of the line, it was Stephen. And he said, hi, Dad. I said, how you doing, son? He says, well, I'm doing good, but... Somebody stole your phone. Wait a minute. I have my phone. No, you have my phone, Dad. Somebody stole yours. And I said, well, number one, I can't be stolen from. Well, it's gone. Well, it's a seed. Then we're going to sow it. Well, why would we call it a seed? Because if you catch the devil, according to the Bible, if you catch him stealing from you, you get sevenfold return. But if you sow it, you either get 30, 60, or 100. Now, I might have been born last night, but I didn't stay home all day. I know that 30-fold is better than 7-fold. So I ain't going to let anything be stolen from my life. I'm going to sow it. Hello? Come on. Well, yeah, but your phone's still gone. No, it ain't. There's a lot of phones. Trust me, for 20 bucks, I got myself a Go phone. It had all kinds of features, like nine buttons. You could call... It was really kind of nice for a few days when people would text me and I just, I wouldn't even respond because I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> Push the J three times. No, I ain't doing this. But uh, uh, it wasn't too long, wasn't too many days to where one day Todd and I are out to lunch. My phone rings and they said, are you Tom Fields? Yes, I am. Did you sell your iPhone 4 on Craigslist? I said, no, I did not. They said, well, would you come to the kiosk in the mall? We have something for you. So we got in a car. I told Todd, to see, I can't be stolen from we got down there in the car. It happened to be Mad Monday, and we walk up there, and on Mad Monday, there's my phone. And it's connected to a machine, and they're putting all the stuff that's in it on another phone. And the guy explains to us, see that couple over there? That guy bought your phone off of Craigslist. He didn't know it was stolen. And he, you know, he used it on his brother's account for a while, and then he decided to get his own account. And so we checked the phone. We found out it wasn't his phone. It was your phone. But he has pictures of his children on there, and we're trying to get all that. If you have time and wouldn't mind, we'd like to put all that information on a phone that we're going to let him have. Todd and I said, yeah, we'll, we'll just take a walk. So we, we went down to the bank machine. It's Mad Monday. We each took out 100 bucks. We went back, and we walked up to this young couple and handed them their money. And I said, I'm a pastor of a church, and I tell people all the time I can't be stolen from. I want to thank you for bringing back my property. But I don't want you to be the loser here, so here's your money. He looked at us like a new calf steering at a gate. He, he, he didn't have a clue what to say, and we, don't worry about it. We walked out. When we got ready to leave, he came up, and he stopped us, and he said, What church do you pastor? My wife and I were looking for a Christian church. And I called Stephen, and I said, Hey, uh, I got my phone back. <laughs> and the harvest off of your seed is probably going to be a family. So just begin to thank God for the family that's coming in from the seed that you, you, know, you can't be stolen from. 
What are you worried about? You know, why? Well, because the blessing of the Lord makes rich. It gives provundant, provundant? That's a new word. Write that down. We're going to put it in the dictionary. It it gives abundant supply. Abundant supply. You can't mess it up. It adds no sorrow with it. You, You can't mess it up. You just have to stay in covenant with God. He's given you the power to get wealth so that he could establish his covenant. Well, if he gives you the power to get wealth, that's his side of the covenant. What would be your side? To use the power to get wealth to get wealth. Guys, I got some place I want to go, and I only got like 14 minutes to get there. You got to get on the bus. Check it out. He giveth thee power to get wealth. What? God don't do anything without a purpose, and he, now he's already told you what the purpose is. So you got power, that's the ability to produce results, to get wealth. That's the ability to see abundant supply. So he's given you the power to do something. Don't you think you ought to do it? Why does the enemy, why does the enemy want you to be so afraid of prosperity so that you can't do what God's called you to do? Because you don't need prosperity for you. You need it for the purpose for which God's created you. That abundant supply in your life. Again, don't, don't limit it to money. It's every realm of your life. Your family shouldn't be in chaos constantly. Husbands and wives ought not to be fighting. Children and their parents, there shouldn't be a great divide. I'm telling you, physically, you should be walking in hell. Why? Because that's part of the covenant. That's abundant provision. So when, you know, it's not the absence of sickness. It's that we got more health than sickness. So when sickness comes, we, we don't freak out. Why? Well, because we got a word from God that the blessing of the Lord, it gives me abundant supply. I have more life than death. I have more health than sickness. So I'm going to demonstrate Satan's defeat in every realm of my life. I'm not going to justify and come up with reasons why it's okay for me to live in poverty. It's not. God said he gave me power to get wealth. I'm going to get wealth. I'm going to produce wealth. And I'm going to fulfill the call of God on my life. Romans 12, 1, a very familiar scripture. It says, I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Or in other words, this is the least you could do. Okay? This is the least. This is your reasonable service. You, this is the least you could do. Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove The perfect, acceptable, the good, perfect, acceptable will of God. God's will for your life is good. God's will for your life is perfect. It means it's lacking nothing. God's will for your life is acceptable. You shouldn't accept anything except God's will. But look at verse 3. He starts talking about this. Okay, here's how I'm going to renew your mind. For I say, though, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. You guys believe that? Are, Are we reading the Bible? Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. We're going to renew your mind. Go to verse 4. For as we have many members in one body. What's he talking about? We're going to renew our mind. Because God's building a church. You're in a body. Don't, don't, Don't be conformed to this world. Don't think that this is all about you. See, because if you don't see your need for the body, you're thinking too highly of yourself. If you don't understand where you fit, Jesus said, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Okay, he, what's, what's right in the center of the church? You are. 
You are. And he's, he's, building, he's building his kingdom. A kingdom that can't be shaken. And the gates of hell can't come against it. So when hell shows up at your place, it's not a problem. Why? Because I'm in the body of Christ. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord have flourishing life. Super abundance. Hello? You've got to renew your mind. We have many members in one body, but all the members don't have the same function. Look at verse 5. We being many are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. See, it is, it is vital that you deal with whatever belief system that you've got that's trying to separate you from abundant supply. Not simply for your own good, but for the good of the body. Well, shout me down now. Calm down. Oh, you just want our stuff. I don't want your stuff. And I don't care if you steal mine, because I'm going to be better off when you're done. It's about fulfilling the purpose of God, the plan of God, the will of God. And if I connect to that, guess what? No weapon formed against me can prosper. Every tongue that rises against me, I can condemn. This is the heritage of the children of the living God, saith the Lord. This is the heritage of the children of God, not people who go to church, but the sons of God. This is part of my inheritance. Hello? Well, why do we stop short of going after the life that God has for us? Last week we started, and we talked about the, you know, and I gave you the four things today. I just want to, want to get in it just, just for a minute. Look at Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Why do people stop short of God's plan? And number one, I told you last week, is that we lose sight, or we lose our frame of reference. We lose our frame of reference. This is, therefore, we also are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, we also are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. When they, do, when they teach you how to study the Bible, you know, they, they come up with these cool little phrases. And when you, when you read the word, therefore, what's the question you've got to ask yourself? What's that there for? So you go back, you know, into 11, chapter 11, because, you know, it, when, when these guys got this, it wasn't, you know, broken down into chapters and verse. We did that. It, it was just a letter. And in chapter 11, he starts talking about, you know, the, the hall of faith, the, the heroes of faith, the, uh, Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Rahab and, uh, you know, so many people, you know, will, they come to church and they think, well, you know, you're judging me. No, 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 no. We're not judging you. We believe in you. See, I said, I'm not judging you. I believe in you. I'm not telling you that if you're not living a blessed life that you're a loser. No, I'm telling you, I believe in you because I know that Christ called you so that you could live a life of blessing. And he said, you're surrounded by this great company of witnesses. Look at uh, Hebrews 11:32. Uh, what, what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets, uh, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness they were made strong. They became valiant in battle. They turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured. Everybody say others. In other words, there's so many, we can't even tell you about all of them. These people who didn't have nearly anything to work with, like you've got, they made it. Look at verse 36. 
Others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. And they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should be not be made perfect apart from us. God has a plan. God has a plan. You're surrounded by this great company of witnesses. You know, in church, most of my life, all my life, I've been in church. And most of the time when you hear these scriptures, you, you know, they paint these pictures. And, they, and, and it's kind of cool, you know, that these guys, it's, it's, you know, he's talking about running a race. So, you know, just picture you're going down to the stadium and there's all, those, all that seating. And you, there's the track down there and you're in the track and you're running the race. And there, there's, you know, there's Abraham, the father of our faith. And he's up there and he's going, you know, go on, go, come on, I believe it, go, go. And, and there's David, he's in the cheap seats because he did that thing with what's her name. And, and, but he made it in and he's, he, you know, and he's got your name and he's going up. And down and, and and you got these witnesses the problem is is that you were looking at that backwards they're not there to witness what you're doing they were witnesses to you they're witnesses for you abraham father of our faith also known as a liar david man after god's own heart also known as a murderer an adulterer rahab also known as, you said it, what's their, what's their past? Who cares? Hall of Faith. Hall of Faith. They did it without Christ. What, you know, here we, we go through life. We haven't been sawn in two yet, have we? You've been beaten and tortured for your faith. It was all to get them to disown their faith. He said, these are witnesses to you. you got a cloud of witnesses. Don't lose your frame of, of reference. You can make it. He said, you can make it. You can, you can fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. You can do it. If they did it without Christ, surely with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, now living inside of you, then no weapon formed against you can prosper. I mean, obviously, if the same power that, that caused him to come up out of the grave is alive in you, your bad hair day is not going to take you out of this race, is it? Well, I was believing for a Cadillac, and all I got was a Chevy. Come on, guys. Don't lose your frame of reference. You know... Don't think too highly of yourself. That you think this whole thing is about you. No, this whole thing is to go through you. You know, don't get discouraged. God's with you too. That's basically what he's saying. Look at these witnesses. God's with you too. And if you make it, if you succeed, don't stop believing in God and think that you're really gifted. You're really special. You're really smart. You're really powerful. And, and if you fail, don't get discouraged and stop believing in God and say, well, he's not here. Yes, he is. Don't look at your circumstances and allow them to dictate your belief. But take your beliefs and allow them to dictate your circumstances. So that no matter what state I'm in, 
I'm blessed. I have more than enough. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Number two, don't get weighed down or tripped up by stuff that's designed to trip you up. Look at this. Uh, Go back to verse one. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Not every weight that causes you to trip up is sin. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin. See, we all know that if you're shacking up with somebody out of wedlock, we already know that sin. It's just right there. But there are other things that keep you from running your race. And they're, they're not sin. They're just keeping you from running your race. There's, you know, water's good for a runner, but a guy running a marathon usually doesn't carry two gallons with him. Why? Because it'll keep him from winning the race. You know, the, the Bible says evil communications corrupts good behavior. There's some relationships you have that you can't go and get, you know, black and white in the Bible and find, oh, thou shalt not hang out with this guy. But yet wisdom would tell you if he's not in agreement with God, how can two walk together except they be in agreement? And you can say, well, I'm trying to win them to the Lord. Well, I've got to ask you something. Who's winning? You know, are, are you influencing him or is he influencing you? Or, or you got family members and friends that, well, they just don't agree with everything the Bible says. Well, then I've got to tell you something. God comes up to Abraham and he says, Get, pack up. You're leaving your family. You're leaving your neighborhood. You're leaving your friends. You're leaving. I'm taking you someplace where you don't know anybody because you cave in every time you get around them. I've got I to gotta, I renew your mind and teach you a new way to live, but I can't do it in that environment because you listen to them way too much. You want to win your race? You better stop agreeing with people who can justify why poverty is okay in your family. You better stop hanging out with people and say, well, you know, great-grandpa, he died of cancer. Grandpa, he died of cancer. Dad and his seven brothers and 14 sisters, they all died of cancer. You probably, you know, you got a little bump on your forehead. We better start digging. You know what? There's going to be, before you can engage in God life, you must be willing to disengage from life without God. So there might be some things in your life that you've got to get rid of that you've, you've, that you've justified, that you've made excuses for, and you can say, it's not sin. Right. Lay aside every weight and the sin. It's really quiet in here. I'm hoping God's talking to you. That you realize that there's some things in all of our lives that we've hung on to, that we've clung to, that we've let hang around, that we need to get rid of. Number three, you shift your focus and you miss the goal. Look at verse two. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking unto Jesus. Don't take your focus off of Jesus. Don't take your focus off of Christ, who for the joy set before him. You know, today you can go home and write it on a card and be absolutely correct. I am the joy that was set before him. Why did he endure the cross? Because he was looking at me. He was looking at me. If you ever take your eyes off of him, he's the joy that's set before you. And if you ever take your eyes off of him, all of a sudden you lose your ability to endure. You, 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 well, look at verse 3. Um, 
It says, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, and lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. See, a lot of us, we become weary and discouraged. That's why so many of us don't win the race. We don't stay in the race. We stop short because we, we become weary and we become discouraged. Why? Because we've, we've, we've taken our eyes off of the right picture. We, you know, we're focused on other things. We're looking at, at the pain and we're looking at the trouble and, and, and we're looking at the stuff. And we've got to be willing to cut the weight and win the race. Look at, look at somebody close to you and say, Cut the weight. Be careful. Okay, uh, number four, and we'll close. You lose sight of how close you are to victory. You, you lose sight of how close you are to victory. You're so close. You're so close. My father used an illustration for years of, of an individual who had gone to hand-to-hand combat against the devil himself. And finally, after a lot of struggle, he had the devil on the ground, his foot was on his neck. He drew his sword to whack off his head. And the devil looks up at him and says, do you give up yet? And a lot of us at that point, we quit. You're just moments from victory. He said, you're just moments from victory. Yeah, but the house burnt down. You're just moments from victory. Yeah, but the doctor said, you're just moments from victory. Revelations 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. Behold, that means stop, focus, and see this clearly. Behold, I, who's that? God, stand at the door. What's that? That's the threshold. He said, I'm knocking. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'm coming in. Do you realize that you're at the threshold of supernatural intervention? You're at the threshold the threshold that if you open the door, God's going to come in. He's going to participate in your circumstance, in your situation, that God is ready and willing to perform mighty acts, stuff you couldn't even dream of above and beyond anything that you could ask or think. You're at the threshold of God's participation in your situation. All you got to do is open the door. Well, I don't, I don't know how. He said, if any man hear my voice. He didn't say, listen. He said, hear. There's a huge difference. Mark 4.24 says the level of thought and study you give to the truth you hear. It says be careful what you hear. It doesn't mean don't listen to anything. Be care, you know, tune some stuff out. No, what it means is take care with what you hear. Why? Because when God speaks, he ain't just saying something. It's instruction. Deuteronomy 28, again, he said, if you do what I tell you to do, all of these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee. If you will do what God said. He will produce what he promised every single time. You're so close to victory. Don't become discouraged now. I know life can be hard. I know it can be heavy. I know it can be scary. I know all kinds of stuff. And I know there's all kinds of distractions. And we all, from time to time, become distracted. But don't forget this one point. You're only a moment from victory. Amen? Close your book, bow your head, let me pray for you. Father, we thank you today that we have life eternal. We have God life, Zoe life, more than enough. Father, you have given us abundant supply. We receive the blessing of the Lord. And we realize, Lord, that it is to empower us as a body, as a body. So, Lord, today we just lock shields with one another and we refuse to allow discouragement and weariness to take us out. Father, we refuse to cave in. We refuse to quit. We're going to rise up and be the people, the church that you've called us to be. And we're going to give you the glory and the honor. 
in just a moment while heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. We're going to pray a prayer before we leave. If you are here today and you are separated from relevant relationship with a living God, I'm not asking you, have you ever prayed the sinner's prayer? I'm asking you, are you living God life? Is God operating in your world? Or have you become separated from that? Have you tried it your way? Whatever. If you're here today, we don't want you to leave this room without making that new commitment to be in covenant with God. We're going to pray. But if it's you and you know that you're separated from God, I want you to just real quick, no one's looking around, we're not going to call you out, uh, not going to have you stand. But if you're here today, would you just hold your hand up and say, Tom, that's me. I need my life to be reconnected to God. I need God in my life. I want God life. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Just hold your hand up real high. Let me see it. That's me. Thank you, ma'am. You can put them down. Thank you. It's awesome. Don't miss this opportunity. Just hold your hand up and say, okay, I, I want God in my life. I want God in my life. I receive the love he offers me. I receive it today. I want God life. M- make this your prayer today. Thank you, sir. It's awesome. Okay, let's pray together. Everybody say, dear Heavenly Father, I know I need you. I need your love, your acceptance, your forgiveness. Come into my life and change me from the inside out. Lord, give me hope. Give me strength. Give me vision. I choose to live for you every day of my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.